Rachel. Hey, Felicia. <laughs> I'm just giggling because literally moments before we started, we hit a button and we have a little chat AI thing in our document and it started going wild and telling me how to collaborate on Google Docs. And I was like, no, this is not what I need. <laughs> you know, this is AI now. This, we live with robots. This, they're going to just take over. Well, it's nice that they what's only... happening right now, I'm not worried for a little bit at least because <laughs> robot was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't you worry. Those robots are going to get smart, you know, and this is a premature conversation. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I do think in future we are going to be talking about AI and DJ yeah, because, yeah, no, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I feel like you and I just need to have like a whole podcast just on our own about that because I mean, <laughs> it is fascinating. I mean, I remember when the conversation that we talked about that ages ago, just around not even AI, but just like just technology, right? Being just so biased because it's the people who created it. I and I my little rant for the day I will, will not go as long as we did last time because that was wild but I will just say like I do think about sometimes with like Siri and Google and Alexa like they're all female voices yes I know you can change them but default is the lady voice and then people are just like really angry at the lady voice and then I think just translates so nicely over to people just hating women well I guess it's like the classic is it correlation or causation as my stats <laughs> professor would would ask us in school <laughs> solid question solid solid question but yeah like i do wonder sometimes like what if they were the gender neutral voice which i remember microsoft talking that they were going to do i don't know if they've ever implemented it but i remember um, they were talking about having a gender neutral voice well, like, what is a gender neutral voice is that like a robot voice like maybe Ooh, i see a new career for you Ooh, am i uh am i the new voice of ai <laughs> microsoft call me <laughs> Oh my God. Don't you, there you go. Oh my gosh. That was wild. If we didn't lose people just from that, that'd be... We need to lose people. The robots have come to us. Like we're going to get so many views and listens on this thing. Now. It's actually not even us talking. It's actually, we're just robots. That's how good the technology's oh, got. But here, actually, to put a, like another spin on it, what we are actually hearing is not even like, you and I aren't even hearing the same thing. Right. Like I'm literally hearing you filtered through robots because That's I have true. hearing aids. And so, you know, every time I switch a hearing aid provider or like that provider, a, a manufacturer, like I hear differently because the machinery is different. So who even knows? We are all robots. We're all robots. Yeah. That's, well, we're all meat bags. I don't know if we're all robots. That's true, actually. That's why we sound differently in our inside versus when we hear ourselves recorded, which the, is a the nightmare. bone conduction. Yeah, I just went to my audiologist yesterday to do my annual check, and that's why I was thinking about this, because I have a particular manufacturer for my current hearing aids, and they support it. But she was saying how that different manufacturers, like, you sound different because it's different machinery. It's different processing equipment, you know, and I've definitely experience this over the years as I've had different hearing aids is it always takes a little bit of time for my brain to adjust if I get a new set because the brain has to start like understanding how it processes the sound and a lot of times what does happen is when I get a new set of hearing aids which is usually around like every five years or so is for the first like anywhere from like a day to a week or so, I literally sound like a robot and I hate it so much because I do sound like a robot to myself. And I think it's the same with eyeglasses too. When you get a new prescription, it's yeah, like- I gotta I, adjust to it. Yeah, perception, weird. All right, well, let's just do this. We're, we promise you that we're gonna keep it short, so we're keeping it short. I'm so excited for this part two situation. 
if you were there for part one, go back and listen. Not that you need to, but you I, can. I think you do. I think you do. You, do. you have to. It's Stop required. everything. Don't even continue. Pause. Go back. <laughs> listen to part one first. Then come back. Just uh, or not because you know. <laughs> or not. <laughs> it's fine. It's not like we're going to really be able to do anything about it. <laughs> but this one, we're actually. This is the first one where we're actually putting it on YouTube as well. So. What you're listening to right now, if you're listening to this, this will not be on video. This is audio only because we're wearing different outfits, the whole thing. I don't have that kind of time to put that stuff together. So, but the actual interview is going to be online on our YouTube, which you can find us at She Geeks Out as always. But what happened in this interview, part two, Felicia? Well, we had so much fun. We just kind of kept it going. So we had a whole set of questions that we did not get into in part one because we just were chatting so much. So we continue with where we think we left off, but actually we had no idea. So if you are doing like a one-two listen and you notice that we repeated a question, that's why, because who's got time for that? But we kept talking about community. We talked more about personal branding, volunteering, and a lot more. And we might do more in the future. So if you like it, keep a a lookout for Dish with Trish. Yeah. And it's worth noting, too, that we are also on the Spotify's, which we were not on before. But it seems like they're getting their act together with the whole podcasting thing. We're still not fans of the whole paying Mr. Rogan $200 million. But, you know, the person who made that choice got fired. So I feel good about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's do this. All right. Onwards. All right. So we're back. This is part two of an ongoing series. I don't know. But <laughs> have you ever had a part two with someone before? I feel like yeah, you're not the first, but um, you're the best. <laughs> I'm the dishiest. I'll say you that. Definitely are the dishiest. Yeah. <laughs> we were just chatting about names. I'm like, we got to start recording. So anyway, we're back with Trish Fontanilla. I got the name right this time, right? Fontanilla. All right. <laughs> Listeners, I am pumping my hands in the air because I forget that this is an audio platform. <laughs> and, like and you I just am, don't care. And I very like, I use my hands a lot. So I have Same. to like talk about it audio wise. Yeah. That's a really smart thing to do. I never realized how much I waved my hands until other people told me. And <laughs> then I've ever seen myself on video and I do not care for it, but I do. I'm with you on the I very much care for your hand gestures. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it too. And I'm like, you know what? If there are listeners out there who want to see it, like, you know, we could reset up our Patreon. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, sneaky peeky into future us because I think we need to start making these YouTube videos in future. I haven't, I know oh I haven't God. talked before. So I have no, but I think influencers. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but you know. <laughs> What? YouTube apparently is from like what I've been listening to with around creators is like the best platform mm-hmm. as far as comp goes between yes. all the other social platforms. So yes, I've been trying to get us out there, but it's hard. We have a very shy crew. <laughs> I had to put my, including you. I had to. Well, I mean, I'm supposed to be the one behind the scenes. I'm Someone the one that... was on a video the other day. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Rachel. exactly. I was like, I'm on here. If I can do this, <laughs> if I can shake my head in disapproval of the latest SCOTUS trash news, I think anyone can. And then I think that video should be a part of the Patreon 
Like we can request that because there are certain videos that I think about like Michelle Yeoh from Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. I want to like feel ashamed. I'll just like picture her being like, you will never be enough. And then I'll like, be like <laughs> okay, to fix things. So people can like get a video of Rachel shaming them. If they're like being, this is taking else. a turn. I'm like, who, who are these is, is this like an OnlyFans now? Like, what's happening? Well, this like, conversation, like, I love this so much. <laughs> I love it. Can we talk about shame for a second? Not to get yeah. all or anything. Yeah, let's talk about shame. Renee Brown, attention, Renee Brown, wherever you are. Renee Brown. No, well, it's an interesting topic that you bring up, and it goes to identity also, which I know in the Asian culture, as you were just referring to, right? And yeah. you, as you probably know, I'm also that, listeners, I'm wearing an Asian yes. American girl. And like we really, I feel like we need a video to release. This is a video. Is this our first YouTube video? I think it might be. I'm here. For I like it. Put my, you know what's funny? Side note, I do want to hear what you were about to say, Rachel, but I just yeah. want to let you and everyone know that I was on a little early, and I was like. Oh yeah, this Zoom has like these makeup filters. So I was like giving myself different eyebrows and stuff. So I decided not to do that. But that's okay. You saying, don't need to. You're perfect is, as you know, is. Your eyebrows are amazing. Oh, I was gonna say and, and they're not filters. See, I'm like proving that <laughs> just yeah, people her. think this background's yeah, a filter. Right. And I'm like, no, you can see my like f- random stuff on my T's. That's not this like is a hundred percent going to be the first. Yeah. Wait, what yeah. were you saying? Now you were talking about identity shame. Yeah, identity. Shame. Is, yeah. yeah. So the, the Asian go. culture, right? Is, is shame is obviously is a big part of it, which is what Trish was just talking about. And in the Jewish culture, shame is also a very big mm. part. And so a fun fact that I like to share occasionally in moments like this is when I was a freshman in college, there was a language requirement. I went to Brandeis, which is a predominantly Jewish school. I'm actually half Jewish. I'm not, and I wasn't raised. It matters neither here nor there, but I'm half Irish and Catholics also know about a thing or two about shame. (laughs) But I, my language requirement, I decided to take you something easy, you know, like Japanese. So I took Japanese and there was, the woman would come in and she was an older Japanese woman and she would just start speaking to you in Japanese and then you would respond, right? But then as soon as you weren't able to respond well, she would just like bow her head down in shame and and shake her head and walk away. It was like literally the most devastating, traumatic. And I'm, I'm just like thinking, sweating like, right now. Just <laughs> I'm not used to the, the like, I know people are, some people have the like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like my parents would yeah. oh, my really lay out why they were disappointed. Like there wasn't a passive aggressive thing. It was an aggressive yeah. aggressive thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Can I just tell you all, like, it's not even a recovered memory. It's a memory that I like keep with me, but I grew up playing the violin. My parents were really big into having us all play musical instruments. And so we used to have to like go off and practice for, you know, an hour or whatever a day. And I remember I must've been like eight, seven, eight years old. So like very young. And I was like, I don't want to play violin. So I went into my room and I closed the door and I just, didn't do it. And I pretended that I did. My mom obviously found out. I had no idea how she did, but you know, I'm sure she had her ways and it wasn't that big of a a dupe that I did. So she sat me down and said, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And it like, like shriveled up my soul. And I remember being like, how do I fix this? And she was like, you can't. I was like, oh God, (laughs) you can't, you can't. Oh God. I'm like still thinking about that today. That was like, 
I don't know, 30 years ago. That's okay. <laughs> My mom ago. just dropped some knowledge on me just as I saw her just like a few weeks ago when, when I was in Boston. And she was like, yeah, you know, in high school, you were so diligent. You would always immediately go into your room and just study and do your homework all afternoon. You just were so focused in your room just studying and studying. I was like, girl, I was watching a lot of MTV <laughs> up in that space. I'll <laughs> <laughs> do a lot of Pearl Jam. So I, I just was, thought it was yeah. really funny. Cause we, we had convinced our parents cause my, I'm the youngest of four and they were like, oh, we need to get a computer cause Trish wants it. And I was just like, <laughs> my brother's using me and my parents are like the same. You're like, you're always on your computer doing work. And I'm like, I was on ICQ. I was oh, in some chat rooms. Oh, the AIM chat rooms. ASL. Age, yeah. sex, location. Everyone was 13. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. In retrospect, is- I realized that was not true. <laughs> yeah, that's how I got into. Sorry, I think last time we talked about kind of like we didn't go further back, but I was creating like websites on Tripod and GeoCities, amazing, and, and doing stuff. And I'm signed up for this marketing platform, and I think it was before they really had age requirements on like giving out knowledge if you're like a teenager. Because I think I was 12 or 13. The first startup I ever worked with was in high school, so I'd answered this survey online. And I thought I was like a method actor. So I was the understudy for the Cowardly Lion and the Wizard of Oz at school. Yes. (laughs) And so I answered all the survey. It was like a survey for teen girls. And I answered all of the questions in like Ozian speak. And like, I would like type things like (laughs) as in like the Cowardly Lion. And then the woman wrote back and was like, do you live in Southern California? Because we're looking for an intern to work at our startup. And I was like, I do not live there. But it was a, you're like, I live in a magical uh, land called Oz, but I, I live in, oh my God, I live in no, I said New Jersey. Cause that's right. same, Which same. Is also was same, same. And they paid me in like cashier's checks and swag to like, write. And it was kind of a big, and it was like around 2000. So they, and Andreessen Horowitz, Horowitz had invested in them and they tanked like every other startup around the 2000s. But Jennifer Aniston was like their like girl, like on or their woman spokeswoman. I like wrote like random teen copy. They would like send me something and it'd be like a Motorola campaign. They're like, add teen words. And I'm like, oh my God. Hey, cool. You were probably getting so underpaid for that value that you were giving. I and it is hilarious because I was a teenager and didn't know how banks work. And I didn't want to tell my parents that I had this random job I found on the internet because they were also like, what is you should be studying? Like, what are you doing right now? My brother had to cash the checks for me and he got a cut out of the checks. And so I mean. like <laughs> no money, but I got like the crouching tiger, hidden dragon, like film book and like random stickers. And amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm living the life. You're, and that's like amazing. That's and, and you were like very 10 baller. or 13, very whatever. Baller. Yeah. So baller. Yeah. Entrepreneurial but my brother was from like, the beginning. Taking a cut out of it. Well, look, so does Stripe. You know, that's just the way things work. I mean, he wasn't really your manager, but he was your facilitator. He was most definitely not my manager. (laughs) You needed someone to cash those checks. I mean, come on. Well, it's perfect. I cannot believe that. Like, I feel like we're going to actually get into any of the questions that we. Yeah, let's do. Let's get into some questions. <laughs> but I feel like it's nice. I mean, you're such an entrepreneur. and I, But Felicia, you had a follow up question. Did you not? Oh, no. Maybe I made this up. <laughs> One of us had a follow up question. I don't remember who it was, but we were when we I left off. There part one, we were just talking about community. Yeah. So you had been talking Trish about like 
companies are the tools of the hero's utility belt. I don't know if you remember any of that, but we wrote notes about what you said. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. And then one of us said we had a follow-up question. I don't remember, but what I did want to maybe get into, maybe this is the follow-up question, was like, how does workplace community sort of tie into what- Oh yeah, we talked about that a little bit, yeah. Because like, you're not- you know, especially now, like folks aren't necessarily tied to like an office. And I know for me, like working in tech in, you know, the mid 2000s or whatever those years are called, the 2010s, (laughs) the teens, I don't know. You know, it was all about like the office and the swag and the views and the food and like very physical, like location-based. So yeah, maybe we can start there if you have any, any thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, really big companies, at least they used to have community managers that were just for employees and it's different from HR and maybe they report to people ops. I know people that were doing it, but we'd never talked about like chain of command or anything like that. But I think it's something that's really important. Something in my last job that we had was Donut, which is an extension you can add to Slack and it randomly pairs you up with, you know, folks every week. And I was one of the, the cool nerds that at the end of the year, I was one of like the top three that met with people and was like sending, because you can meet with someone and you can send them a compliment. And it was just a really good, because I joined, my last company I joined during the pandemic and we were distributed. And so I'm like, okay, how do I get to know people? We're small enough. I forget how many we were, maybe like 70. And then when I was left, we were like a hundred, but big enough that there was going to be people I was just not going to get to know or talk to. And especially when people are running meetings, You know, there isn't like we took what, like 15 minutes for a banter at the beginning of this. And that doesn't happen in a workplace meeting. And you don't get to learn all the things unless you happen to be the person that comes in early and the meeting was early and someone asks about your weekend. Otherwise, meetings now are just for the content. And not to say that all meetings need to have that, but there is that missing of like when you show up to a meeting, someone's like, oh, I see you're drinking seltzer. I love seltzer. Or like, you look tanner. It's like, oh, I went to the beat. There's all these things you can talk about that are missing within. So that is even just, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to employee community. That's just how do you make sure that we're connecting with other people, you know, right now. But I think employee community is like that person that is coming up with events and not necessarily, it's like, hey, not everybody here drinks. Maybe we shouldn't have all happy hours. We should have coffee chats. We should just like coming up with actual programming. I'm not in it enough to know the differentiators because Rachel actually just said there's employee experience managers. So there's people that do different things. I don't know how they would differentiate that kind of stuff. But for me, community folks are always about the people. And so there might be people that are actually doing the stats of like, okay, if you run events, like how many people are coming up to it? Not that CMs don't do that, but you know, the focus, if you have a big enough team to have all those different titles, I think it's actually like going into the community and like, because I always used to go to happy hours. I'm like, yeah, it's a catch off. You don't drink, then you don't have to drink. And then actually talk to people that don't drink. They're like, actually, I don't feel comfortable going to happy hours. I'm like, oh, because someone says drink, I don't drink at all happy hours. And I just feel comfortable. But I know other people have other stuff going through their brains. And you don't find that out unless you talk to other people. So I think it's just as, as Employee community stuff is just as as important. I think I'm trying to remember what we we're talking about the first time, but when I do customer journey maps, I also talk about employee experience. So it's good to figure out those different pieces of not just what your customers want, but also how your employees feel about the work that they're doing and how they're connecting to customers in a joyful way, but also in a way that it that helps products innovate and move forward. 
Two things. First, we definitely have used Donut before too. So when our community, the SGO community was on Slack still before the pandemic, we had installed Donut. And I don't know if you remember this, Rachel, but <laughs> I joined the channel just to see what it was. And then it, it like immediately matched me with somebody. And I was like, oh no, I didn't want to do this. Ended up meeting the person. We met up in Somerville somewhere. It was totally great. Oh, you met like, up in person? Yeah. Well, because this was before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. So in a different world, oh, that's different so time. Fun. Yeah. So it was like this woman, one of our community members, and she lived near me. So we like met up at Winter Hell Brewing Company like one Friday and just like, you know, had a little chit chat. But I remember being like, oh no, I just wanted to look. I didn't want to actually engage, but <laughs> I engaged anyway. And then I immediately like removed myself from the channel because I didn't oh, want to no. talk to people. Not that I don't love to people. But anyway, side note. So, but the other thing I wanted to follow up on with what you were just talking about is I think it's interesting when you have, I don't want to call like warring communities, but communities within the same umbrella that may not necessarily have the same like resources or agendas or viewpoints. Because I think for a lot of companies where they have their employee base, and then they also have an external community. I've seen that happen where sometimes the community is sort of like goes off in one direction and the company is like, oh, we don't want to do that or we don't care about that or we're not supporting that. And then that can become kind of a little bit of a, like a tug of war between employees. Bad news bears. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like <laughs> if you've come up with that or, or seen that or, you know. Oh, on that. oh yeah. <laughs> All the time. I mean, I think it's funny. So there's Community Manager Appreciation Day in January. And I forget what. It's one, maybe like the fourth Monday or something like that. And they recently changed it to Community Manager Development Day. They changed it to something that sounded like, oh, we're not just here to celebrate each other. But I'm like, why can't we just celebrate each other? Like, why not? You know, so they want to make it more active, which is fine. So the creators in the universe don't come for me. But I think there is that constant piece because, you know, I think it's between when you think about people's different goals, just within the company, you know, an engineer's goal is to finish a sprint and finish a product marketers goals to get eyes on something salesperson's goals to, you know, close deals. And sometimes those things conflict. And I think a lot of it comes with timing and people's different goals and they're not collaborating and maybe their leadership team isn't collaborating. And I think with communities, sometimes like I think community should be its own like department, but most companies obviously don't set it that way. And there's different people. I've reported to a COO, I've reported to a CEO, I've reported to a CMO, and they all have different goals for what the company should be. So it does make community a little bit hard because people do want to see something happen now. Any community building work, if you just even look at community building work within a town, you have to invest in people. You can't just think about it as a bank all the time. You know, we talk about social capital People immediately want to set the bank and they're like, let's extract, like, let's take money on. It's like, you didn't even put money in yet, dude. You're like, you're in the red. So I think that's where, you know, things kind of conflict is people launch community almost too late when they like need something as opposed to, I know not everyone can afford to do this, but my very first startup, I was like one of the first hires out in the community before we launched the product to even just see what our people, people that might be in our ecosystem, people that might be customers what they were thinking, what they were buying and what they were using. Again, going back to the utility belt, we're not the only thing, but people immediately want to launch communities to serve some, like we want them immediately to give us something back. And I think Warren, depending on what kind of company you work at, maybe Warren is butting heads. It can be a thing, especially at a startup. Obviously you have only amount of certain amount of runway. So you know things need to happen quickly, but if it is going to be community and not just 
customer service or something like it needs to have a deeper purpose. And that takes like any movement that takes time, which is tough for a lot of, especially executives to like, think about. I'm curious to know, like I go back and forth. I'm like one minute, I'm like, community is the most important that it's needed. Like we can feel it. like the pandemic's over. Everybody wants to get in person. And then on the other side, I'm like, people are just, I think become more introverted and like are scared of everything. Well, how have you seen like community evolve particularly since the pandemic? Yeah, I think the uh, kind of the resounding thing I think among community professionals and just people in general is like niche communities. So it's no longer, I mean, sometimes I will go to a broad spectrum tech community, but it is very small percentage of time that I will do that. And if I do it, I'm probably bringing a student or someone that like, and I'm helping introduce them and it's less about me, but people now want to be like, I want to meet people like me that live in the city that work in tech and are women of color. Like, they're just like, let me hit multiple boxes so that we have multiple things in common and we can just start talking about stuff versus oh, here's this one thing we are all live in Boston. Great. And it's like, <laughs> but there's so many different people that live. There's moms, there's single people, there's dads. There's like just so many people that wear so many hats. And I think now people are like, I want to meet someone that is an elder millennial that works in Boston, that works in, like there's just things that take off the box. Mm-hmm. And that way you can just jump into conversation. There's a woman I yeah. met the other day that like, Asian American woman. She works in government. So is in a lot of spaces where she's the only one. So we talked about that. We're both single. So we talked about that. Like there was just layers that for someone, if I was meeting someone else for the first time that didn't have, have as many check boxes as me on it, it would take, would be like, what? I would never ask them their favorite color, but it'd be just so surface level. And we're kind of done with that surface level stuff because that is what everything the past few years is like, I hope you're okay. like all this, like, are you okay? I'm okay. Are you feeling sad? Yeah, me too. The world is ending. Like <laughs> it's just the same conversation over and over again. And I'm like, that is important. Let's have those conversations. But also like, how do you feel as a single person that is navigating, like just something that is even yeah. further than skin deep? Like, let's get into it. Let's talk about trauma. Let's talk well, about trauma. Yeah. And it, I, think what, I, think, for it. Yeah. I think what you're getting yeah. to is like also the value, like creating mm-hmm. real value as opposed to just showing up and maybe yeah. it is going to be valuable. Maybe it's not going to be valuable. I think people are also valuing their time a lot more. So if they're yes. making choices to go to places, it's got to be a clear value add, whether it is like, I need to connect with someone that has shares my identity so we can talk about trauma or I yeah. need to get something else out of it. Whatever that is, it's got to be really clear. Do you think that it's also partially because now like we're in this, you know, post pandemic world, people are like, I could die if I go to this event. So it better be worth it. (laughs) Or is that like, I I think for some people, yes, that definitely was my thought. I hadn't gone to a conference. I think last year, 2022 was my first big conference. I went to a smaller conference in 2021 that was maybe 50 people. And Mm -hmm. I I think there are parts, I think I was mass and then half mass part of it. They had asked for people to be vaccinated. So there's certain, like there's choices that were made, but I think the valuing of time, what Rachel was talking about, I mean, it's always been a thing. If you have any kind of marketing sense, you know, you always talk about when we say paying attention, like that is their current, like you're paying for ads, but they are paying with their time and people forget about that. And so even, you know, going back, so I just talked about all my personal stuff, but I'm going back to companies, you know, again, it's like, I don't want to talk about your product all the time. What would be helpful is talking about how to pitch 
your product to my boss in a grander shell of how do I present to executives and then use your product as an example, right? So it's yes. not like, I don't want to talk about your product all the time. Then talk about how do I get promoted? You yes. know, like what are the other things around the human that are using your product? So I think we talked about this last time, the lawn chair. Like, I don't want to talk about lawn chairs. <laughs> Let's talk about, send me a meme about all like the things I started buying during the pandemic and how to like secondhand, like there's other things around it that you could get away with pre-pandemic. You could get away with potentially having a lawn chair community. I don't know. I feel bad. <laughs> We're really coming for lawn chairs here. The big lawn chair is not big going to be supporting chair. this podcast. I feel like we're going to get so much hate from the lawn chair community <laughs> that we didn't even know is out there. So, But I want them right. to do well and I want them to extend to like home goods and life and finding the right co-working chair and maybe you could get lunch. Like there's just so many things that people are just so centered on themselves or companies are so centered on themselves. Yeah, You do best when you collaborate, when you see people as whole humans and appeal to that, like in that way versus how do I get my products into your household to like, what are there things like, what brings you joy within your room? And like, how can we, you know, connect with other products and like other, like the people don't mind it if they feel like they're being appealed to as a human versus a number. And that's like such a great segue to our next question for you. Um, (laughs) Because as you were talking, I was actually, I know Rachel is going to probably remember this. I'm not going to name the company. They our company who shall not be named, but one of our worst SGO community events ever, and this was a long time ago, was we told this company exactly what you were talking about. Hey, this is not a pitch for you to have people just come work here because obviously that's why people are coming. They want to check you out. So please don't just pitch at them for, you know, however long, like these are smart people and they did not listen to us. And the whole thing was just an extended pitch for coming to work at the company. And it was the worst event that we've had. I mean, not the worst, but like one of the worst that we've had from a content perspective, because our community events were just about that. And they still are, you know, around, okay, obviously companies are hosting for a reason, but let's connect on things that we're interested in and all the other stuff will be made so much better because it's not going to be like super obvious in your face. Like, you know, here's a job application to walk in the door kind of thing. But Speaking of community events, you were a speaker recently, our first in-person SGO event since 2020, which is wild. And you gave this really Mm -hmm. awesome talk. And that's actually what prompted us to be like, oh my God, we have to get you on the podcast because how how have we not done this before? But your talk was titled A Former Perfectionist's Guide to Personal Brand. So let's maybe shift into the brand space. So tell us more, like, you know, why should people be thinking about their personal brand and maybe even like where the idea come from for you for the talk? Yeah. I mean, I think it's most of my ideas are people telling me things. (laughs) Sorry. That's like, (laughs) so real. Like my ideas are when people give me the, (laughs) it's one of those things where like, you've been waiting for the vocabulary, even though you've been doing the thing. I don't mean to say that I'm stealing people's ideas. That's like such a better way to say it. Thank you for for, for, You're inspired. Where it's like community manager, for example, was like never a title when we were in college and coming up. But now that we, y'all have been in community, you're like, oh, this person that worked in student life was totally a community manager. Or this person that worked was in whatever my company. Oh my gosh. They knew everybody and they're always connecting folks. Like they were totally community manager, but I would never have put that title or I would never have come up with that until someone said, 
oh, you should think about going into community management, which is like, is that an activist? Like, I'm so confused at what that means. So personal brand, I'm trying to even think of this, the presentation (laughs) that I did. The thing that people have brought up the most is I had my tripod page up and it had letters that were up, down, up, down. I'm like, this is key, like 90s. And I had the JavaScript that everybody had, which is you could pick the color on the page. You know, coming up, I think especially for me, there was an idea of what professional looked like. It was a pantsuit. <laughs> it was slicked back hair or straightened hair. It was, I don't know, just acting adult, whatever that means. And so when I first had my first office job, which was not right out of college, maybe it was my early, tw- I forget, maybe 23, 24, like I showed up in heels and like a skirt and a button down shirt, the button down shirt and the black skirt and the heels that is in like every stock photo of woman in office. Like having hair traumatic type. flashbacks right now. <laughs> yeah. And also when- like we're recording this on like one of the hottest days of the year in the Boston yeah. area. <laughs> And you mentioned straight hair and oh my God. Yes. That's why amount if this is on like... YouTube, it's the hair had to go up. I shared that meme the other day and flesh I reacted to it on Instagram of, I didn't actually know I had curly, like I have wavy hair and I didn't know I had it for the longest time because it like Asian women were not supposed to have wavy hair. And so I would just like brush it and it'd be oh, so 100%. frizzy. And yeah. then I hot tools in, in high school and burned the crap out of it because I wasn't using heat protectant. And then I didn't start wearing my hair natural until probably my late 20s when my hairstylist was like, did you know that your hair is wavy? Do you mean like cut it so that you can like have wavy hair? And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I have Um, such a similar experience. (laughs) Like, do you know the reason why I realized my hair was curly (laughs) is because when I studied abroad in France, I like ran out of my hair stuff. And so I started using something, whatever it was. And then I think I was like air drying my hair and I was like, my hair is curly. It was just like wild to me. I had no idea. I burned the shit out of my hair because I was just blow drying it every day. Like blow dry, blow dry, blow dry. Well, you were taught to do that. Yes, but also, and this that's is what a, like this Teen is, Magazine and YM and Cosmopolitan, like they all have like the, you know, like the, the, the hair. And, and the especially, life. oh, I should have worn my Sandra O oh shirt today because she also was like uh, Asian woman curly hair. Like, oh, that's a thing. Let me do it because it's like yeah. no representation for Asian women. Right. Because that's the thing is with like wavy hair. You know, because like for me, seeing a lot of like Indian women and like that kind of media, it's all like really long, glorious, glossy hair and braids. And I still remember, and actually, I don't even know if you'll remember this, Rachel. This is right when we first met, but I had told my hairstylist, I want to grow my hair out because I want to do like all these cool braids that I was seeing on Pinterest in, you know, the mid 2000s. And I remember she was like, you can't do that because your hair will not like grow longer than it is right now. And I was like, challenge accepted. So when we first met, I had like really long hair. You for did. Me. So I was trying to grow it out and she was right. God damn it. Like it just stopped growing <laughs> after a certain point. And then I was like blow drying it and blow drying it. And it would just like have a little like curl at the end. And so finally I cut it and I was like, well, I guess this is just it. And that is totally fine. I loved having shorter hair, but when I grew up, my mom would send me to the barber to get my hair cut. And so I was always having like really, really, really short hair. So I just didn't even know what my hair was at all. But my mom yeah. has curly hair and she just didn't even tell me. Like My mom does not have, like, it's somewhere in the universe. I mean, we talked about this first episode, Colin, is it like Spanish, Filipino, something in the universe. So I think like working so higher ed, I think it was very much like coming off what I should be 
kind of looking like, and people dress down for summer and things, but I think I was just ingrained in my head, the multi-layer of being a woman and being a person of color, showing up in spaces, trying to be comfortable, et cetera. And then even getting into tech where every person there, and I tell this story, my challenge is much more diverse now, but when I was there in 2011, I would take phone calls in the bathroom because no women would come in. And the general uniform was jeans and a blue button down shirt. And outside of work, I was like purple hue tights. Like I'm wearing clothes backwards because I don't like the way they look. Like I always, Punky Brewster was always like a show that I watched. So I'm like, oh, I'm just growing up Punky Brewster. I'm always trying to fit in different places. And then I think just being hired for my voice and realizing, oh, wait, like I bring something different and unique to the table. And this is why I'm getting hired versus me trying to fit into different spaces. Because that first job, which is a video job, my boss was like, oh, I saw you some of your videos. I was recording this like Boston Wayne's World-esque video show and where I was just like unapologetically myself and then showing up in different spaces, like a little bit more buttoned up. And people are like, who are you? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know my 20s. I don't know where I am anyway. But getting feedback from people when I was being myself and being in safe spaces, being in brave spaces that were like, oh my gosh, I love your personal brand. And I'm like, oh, cool. So like <laughs> when you tell people about my personal brand, like, what do you say? And I'm not even being sufficient for compliments. Like what words do you say? Like I actually, when I was doing the career transition from higher ed to startups, I actually posted on social, hey, if you've been following me for a while, because I had a bunch of people on Twitter, I didn't have my face. I didn't have my full name. Would you mind like answering a few questions for me? And I reached out to people that I'd just been talking to on the internet. And I was like, hey, what do you think I do for a living? Or like, what do you think I could be doing for a living? based on my social media personality, because I'm more me here than I am at work. And so I'm trying to put this all together. So people are like, I really like your personal brand. I'm like, wow. Like, what is that? Should we all be doing that? Like just post a bunch on Instagram and then like ask our friends what we should (laughs) be doing. I actually yeah, think it's a great like idea. Focus grouping your followers, but yeah, I, kind of, I, I thought it was really great. Like RAP old Twitter, but it was really wonderful to just like, there were some people early on. So I think the first, like I actually went to a podcasting event in like 2009 or something, 2008, Ooh. 2009. Yeah. It was called PodCamp and some marketers had run it and I didn't know who anybody was in the ecosystem at all. So I'd be talking to these people and people would be like, do you know who you just talked to? I'm like, I literally do not know. <laughs> you just talked they, to Mark Marin. You had no yeah. idea. <laughs> You're like, I guess tell yeah. me. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there is this person, I'm not going to name drop them anymore because I don't actually know what their situation is now. And I'm like always careful about Oh, I think they're, I mean, I think they're an okay person, but I don't like to sit, like, we're not friends. And I don't mean that in like a, a bachelorette way. I just mean, they're like, I don't know what they're up to these days. And so I don't actually just want to drop their name and associate whatever. So there's this influencer that was wearing an orange soda t-shirt. So obvs in a room of people, I'm going to go up to that person and be like, I like orange soda. We talked about orange soda for like 20 minutes. And someone's like, do you know who that is? And I was like, he really likes orange soda. You're like orange soda guy, obviously. Now, like, literally, guy. now I'm like about to Google like orange soda t-shirt 2009 pod camp. I probably wrote a blog post. I have, oh my God, there, if it's still up, there's probably a Tumblr. I wrote a Tumblr blog post about it. And it said, is my noob N00B showing? 
So, I mean, that was really great because again, like, I feel like if we ask our friends, I hope everybody out there, if you ask your friends, they're going to be like, you're amazing, you're blah, like all this stuff. And I was like, I love my friends, but I just want people that like, don't actually know my person. Cause people did not know I worked in higher ed. People assumed I worked in music because of one of the early startups I had been collaborating with was bands in town. I would post about music all the time. I would post about art because I was like, at Emerson, all anything creative arts. So people were like, you should be doing all these things. It was like a good like test because these people owed me nothing. I mean, maybe some people thought I would get them free tickets or something or whatever, but I was like, y'all owe me nothing. We may never even meet in person. Who do you think I am as a human? And it was really awesome. I was like looking up some of the responses the other day. Someone was like, you need to get on LinkedIn. And I was like, well, LinkedIn, I think I have a LinkedIn account, but should I even be doing anything there? <laughs> and they were like, yes, you, know, you need to get really great at LinkedIn. And I was like, yeah. that's funny. Cause I remember going to a talk years ago and this is when LinkedIn was really, it was still big now, obviously, but it was pretty big at that point. And they were talking about networking. And one of the panelists asked the group who here, is there anyone here who's not on LinkedIn? And people raised their hands and I was truly shocked. It feels like so wild to think about the life before LinkedIn, but there was totally life before LinkedIn. So, and I so feel that I felt that like in my soul, Trish, when you were just like, because like, I get it. <laughs> I so get it. That's how I feel about all of it. And now, when LinkedIn is now a little bit of a free for all, but I think it is because it was like, oh, what professional things can I be talking about on this platform mm-hmm. versus like, I work and I am a professional. So what I talk about can technically go wherever it wants because I'm the person that's doing the work. If I want to talk about cats, I mean, I think I could talk about cats because there's definitely cat community. Like there's so many things that you can tie into, again, differentiate you, you know, when you're looking at a bunch of different folks, like who do I work with? It's like, okay, this person actually talks about activism and like Mm -hmm. in a way that is important for our brand. So like, let's take that into consideration or like, oh, all they post about on Twitter is like customer complaints and now they're applying for a customer experience job. Like, is that the right Uh, person, you know? So I think that's figuring out how to play, but that, I mean, it's society, but it's also like me trying to be comfortable in my skin, which didn't mm -hmm. happen into my thirties. So there's that other piece of it too, is like the societal piece, but then there's also the like growing up as an awkward teen girl and forever feeling like an awkward teen girl. Like congratulations for feeling comfortable in your own skin at the young age of in your thirties. P.S. I'm still working on it. (laughs) So, okay. Personal brand. All right. So now you're on LinkedIn living your best life, living my best life. (laughs) Why don't we switch gears a little bit? Because and this foolish had actually put this question in, and so I didn't know much about your volunteer experience, but I would love to learn about that. Oh, this is like all the things. I mean, talk about uh, personal brand. I feel like this is something that sticks out in my mind when I think about you is like you're volunteering. So, so nice. Uh, thanks. Yeah. So volunteering. So in Boston, I mean, I think it's really important to me because honestly, let's like, we'll get into this. A little bit of is the people pleasing piece of it. And I gave this talk, I think, with someone at Boston Cares at one point, because they were like, why do you volunteer? I'm like, honestly, back in the day when I just didn't had no self-esteem and I was like, well, I don't want to do anything for me, but other people are great. So I'm going to do things for other people. And like, that's when I started volunteering as a teenager. And it is this like, I know people are like, oh, you're doing something for other people. But like, when you do stuff for others, Rachel, just give you a little heart emoji on Zoom. 
for the audience. But I think when you are helping other people, like there is some endorphins, there is stuff that happens. I do think it helps you get to know yourself in a lot of ways. When I was transitioning in between jobs, I looked at my volunteer work and was like, okay, what kind of volunteer roles do I like to do? Oh, sometimes I go in and I'm I'm comfortable being an individual contributor. And I'm also comfortable in places that I've been a lot where I can like delegate different things. And so for me, I mean, I'm obsessed with Boston. And so I'm a volunteer leader at Boston Cares, which is the largest volunteer action center in New England. And essentially they work with nonprofit schools and organizations. I think over 150 of them in greater Boston, and they pair people up for one-off volunteer opportunities. So if you want to volunteer at community servings, which is primarily meal delivery service for people that are homebound with illnesses, so AIDS, HIV, cancer, severe diabetes, et cetera, you can volunteer there one day. And the next day you can volunteer a women's lunch place. And that is also food for women. They also do career advice. They do a bunch of stuff there. So it's really cool because it is these one-off volunteer opportunities. And especially when I started to get involved with them in my twenties, you like, are like, I don't know if I'm going to live here for a long period of time. So I don't want to go through like a three month orientation but these you can kind of just drop drop in and go. And I'm obsessed with food. So most of the things I do are around food. So there's that. And then pre-pandemic, actually in January 2020 and 2018, I was doing disaster relief work in places that were devastated by hurricanes. And it was not funny necessarily, but like not funny, haha, funny like that. Ah. In January 2020, I was wearing an N95 in these places and there was no running water. So we were like purelling our hands. We're using pipes to like take showers and stuff. And I was like, I can't wait to get home. Not we were there for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, and now I actually ended up donating. I had so many N95 masks left over. I ended up donating them to MGH because they were like, someone in our building was like, if anybody has any extra N95s. And I was like, I just came from a disaster relief area and I randomly have all these N95s. Well, it's so good that climate change is over. So we don't have to worry (laughs) about any more disaster relief issues. So I was in the Bahamas in 2020 and they were like, what is it? Five is the highest. And they're like, we ranked it five. It was actually higher than that because it just devastated. The one in St. Thomas I went to in 2018, it was hundred percent of the population was impacted, whether it was like something kind of felt like not everybody was leveled. And it's also like perspective. Interesting. Like the guy that was my cab driver to the site, I think it was St. Thomas was like, where do you live? And I was like, Boston. He was like, Ugh. <laughs> I, could, I could never shovel snow. Oh, God. I was like, dude, your house gets leveled like every year. Annually. Like, yeah, but it's sunny here. And just all this stuff. <laughs> and, and and his like, value oh system sun was way over snow. Sounds yeah, like me. All that other stuff. Sounds like me. Yeah. And it's such an interesting perspective thing of like, oh my gosh, I can't. Like, I would be so devastated because I have a lot of stuff I like. And he is like, I just don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah. And as long as I have my people, I have my people. And I'm like, good for you. (laughs) You're like, I'll take the snow. Thanks so much. (laughs) No. And my stuff for me, you know, going back to Boston Cares, like it's been the best way to get to know the city. I volunteered in every like neighborhood in Boston. And you just get to see different perspectives of how people are there's all this stuff that we're dealing with in tech, but like systemically, like how can we be just even, I have thankfully always found food and figured how to, how to get food, but I can see how much not having money for food, transportation, et cetera, can take up so much of your brain that you're not out. Totally. 
you know, like a new job. And the way people are like, oh, just get a new job. Like I saw Trish do it. She was working, I was working like hourly jobs and then I got into hiring the guy. I'm like, yeah, but like I had some privileges there, man. Like I was not, you know, taking care of families. I wasn't thinking about other things. So I think like the best way to get to know the city is to volunteer so you can like see even just the green spaces. Like there's a butterfly garden in Back Bay. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's cool. Didn't know that was a thing. There's a teaching garden out by um, it's either Shaman or Ashmont. I was like, that's awesome that the neighbors take care of and it's by the tea, but it's done by the neighbor. So it's just a way to get to know your neighbors and things, but it's become something that like, it's more of a habit than like, oh my gosh, I need to do this thing now. That's so lovely. I literally talk about it and I feel like I don't volunteer in this community nearly enough. And so you're very inspiring. I know Felicia's also got a huge heart. There's a lot in her neighborhood too. You can show up with money. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's, that's what we part, do. It's part of it. Yeah. Like people yeah, think volunteering like, means like you have to be like weeding a garden, but there's a no. lot of ways to be a volunteer. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like food pantries in particular, people are like, oh, what do they need? I'm like, give them money yeah. because they will know what goods they need. Do not give them like the tuna that you don't want anymore on the salad dressing, especially to a lot of these really active food banks that are trying to work with immigrant families, refugee Mm. families, and they're trying to buy things that they are used to cooking. And if they get a bunch of canned goods or they get like lettuce or things that they just don't regularly eat, it does not not actually help these people. Come through with money if you don't want to come. Yeah, no money. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I remember my last job, we used to do like company sponsored volunteer days and we would go to the food bank in Boston pretty regularly, which is a humongous organization. And I always remember that they would tell us like, Hey, food is fine, but like they have a lot of sources for like mass amounts of food. They were like, what we actually yeah. really need is like feminine products because people yes. need like tampons mm. and pads and nobody ever donates that stuff like yes. underwear. And so I've always tried to like, you know how like in my neighborhood, they do like usually once or twice a year, like the mailman will come and like collect donations of like canned goods and stuff. So I yeah. always throw in like my extra tampons or like, you know, a couple new packs of pads or whatever, just because like, that's the kind of stuff that like nobody donates, but it's so important. So, so important. Yeah. It's, yeah. And coffee it's too. Coffee's like Ooh. no one donates coffee because it's a more expensive item. Yeah. But it's like, yo, I'm a recreational coffee drinker, but people, you're a social coffee drinker. Social I'm drinker. a social coffee drinker. My life, I am my a, fun, I'm a necessity needed to <laughs> No, she's a full on addict. <laughs> well, my fun fact was there's this is another Instagram video of like someone asking for time off and then getting denied. And then there's just someone that's going, Hey, uh, boss, can I go on a smoke break? And while the person's just trying to get a vacation day, the person's going on like three smoke breaks. So I don't smoke. I don't get coffee. And when I was in higher, I mean, I'm still single, but like when I was in higher ed, I was single. So I'm like, I have no reason to leave. I have no family members to pick up. I don't have any coffee or, or smoking addictions. And I guess you could do it now, but it, I just felt so weird being like, I'm going to go to, for a walk for like air and mental health. Like that oh, was just yeah. not a thing. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I would just go get coffee because, and come back with coffee because that was my way to get like a five, 10 minute break Hilarious. in a way that like now I think if you, I'm like, oh, I posted this actually when I, my last company in Slack, I'm like, hey, I've been at the computer all day. I'm going on a 20 minute. Literally. And people are like, they're like, oh my gosh, great. That actually reminds me. I need to get up from my exactly. computer too. And it just like, wasn't a thing. So anyway, Love coffee. That. When I tell people like, 
because time is money. So it's like, you can volunteer yourself. You can donate. You can share if you don't have time to donate now, but you, I mean, don't have time to volunteer now, but you have volunteered in the past say, Hey, I had an amazing time doing this. Mm-hmm. Share them on their social media. Like there's so many yeah. different ways. No, I lied. Actually. I do donate. I donate blood <laughs> all the time. Oh, that's so important. That, that is do it really all the time. important. So yeah. important. Thank you. Okay. Now yeah, I, like, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but Rachel, you know what you probably do? You probably talk to you and give advice to people and don't get paid to do it. You're so nice. Mostly because I love sharing my own opinions and thoughts. <laughs> Listen, you but can volunteer and have an ulterior motive. Like the True. mentoring piece is important. The, you know, doing nice things for your neighbors is important. Like there's yeah, so I mean, many. I, I like to do stuff just to meet people. Cause like yeah. I want to meet yeah. friends that aren't like connected to my husband. There's non-organizational <laughs> volunteering that people probably do like in their communities, in their churches and their company. Like there's things that people do. They're like, Oh, I just do it. Cause I was like raised to do it. And it's like, no, you're actually, anytime you're not being paid, you're volunteering unless it's don't ever tell my mother that. Cause I always, I'm like, I should get paid for the things that I feel like the administrative assistant for my family. So, <laughs> but I think people just do, we do so much for each other and our friends and like, we don't consider it volunteering, but you are volunteering your time. That's a good, yeah. that's actually a great point so. for me for sure, but hopefully for the listeners as well. <laughs> We're all we doing have, something to help other people, but we only have a couple minutes left while probably yeah. what I want to ask you about before we, we start wrapping up is you haven't even mentioned one of the biggest things I think of when I think of you, which is boss Filipinos. Oh so yeah. Could you uh, talk about I that do, a little bit? I do too many things, but they don't seem like too many things. But then I see people's eyes glaze over when I do talk about the things that I do. So then there's that. So Boss Filipino. So Boss Filipinos is a Filipino community group in Boston. It has also had some like wavy times for the past few years because pre-pandemic we were doing restaurant takeovers, doing pop-ups because there aren't any Filipino restaurants in Boston. So we were doing these, you know, plated dinners um, in different Boston restaurants. Sadly, some of the ones that we collaborated closed during the pandemic. We highlight folks. So for Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander Heritage Month, we highlighted folks every day. And we had a podcast, but our podcast person left. So I'm actually trying to get that going again. But it was a way to, I think, as an Asian person, you know, when I see Asian representation, I don't always see Filipinos represented. And I think that is for a variety of reasons. Some people don't consider Filipinos Asians. Some of them consider them Pacific Islanders. And one of the big trends for me is if I don't see something's happening, I wait a period of time hoping someone else will do it. And then I get so frustrated that I need to go and do it. So I started it with some co-founders six years ago. And my goal at some point, and now I think that we're coming up a little bit for air, is to have a Filipino festival in Boston because there are a bunch of Filipino folks within spaces. They're just not shining a light on themselves in a way that I've tried to do with Boss Filipinos because I'll always reach out to people and they're like, oh, there's, there's, I think as an immigrant kid, you're just like, keep your head down. Not that you're not special, but it's just like work really hard and someone will recognize you and you'll get something at some point, but not now at some point, like when you're retired or whatever. And I'm like, no, you're actually doing some cool stuff right now. And even if you're working, you're not working on the thing you want to work on, 
talk about it so you can find people to work on it with you. So it's been really fun to meet. I started off with like, tell me about your other Filipino friend. And it's been just fun highlighting folks. I had someone both folks were biracial and I highlighted someone that is not female, not Filipino presenting and their coworker saw and was like, I'm Filipino too. And so it's been really fun to just highlight different people around Boston that are working on cool things, but also students, because I want, you know, um, students to feel comfortable here again, even though we don't have restaurants, there are pockets of us reach out, connect. So that is like the other, I'm always waving my Filipino, I don't have a visible Filipino flag anywhere, actually, but I'm always silently like waving it. Waving it in spirit. Yeah. Maybe in like yeah. post-production. Well, we yeah. Yeah. Do you, someone wants to put a Filipino flag. Yeah, right there. You got the spot for it and everything. That's perfect. <laughs> Consider it done. <laughs> well, we are like basically out of time, but we can at least ask our favorite number one question, even though I feel like we've got but I don't know. Can we dare you to say what you geek out about? That is nothing that you've already talked about. I haven't talked about pie yet, right? No. Let's do pie this. Pie is really important. Like, to again, me. a huge thing that we haven't talked about. <laughs> yes. Wait, are we talking about the number or are we talking about the food? No. I mean, we have to a little bit because we are in, you know, Massachusetts or some of us are in Massachusetts, Rachel. <laughs> There's a biotech community here. <laughs> I'm obsessed with pie. I can talk about it a lot. There's a lot of controversies on what constitutes a pie. Some people Mm -hmm. don't believe pies can be pies if they don't have the crust on, like the full crust on top. Well, that does not include me, so. My favorite pie is coconut cream pie. My second favorite local pie is Petsy Pie's chocolate bourbon pecan pie. Both of them do not have that, like, that crust on top. And so for pie purists... I technically, my two favorite pies are technically not pies, but that is, and then in my very first startup, when someone would start on their first day of work, they would always have, um, because I was the first employee, their favorite pie would be on their desk because I would ask them during their interview process. And people always thought it was like some personality test. And I'd be like, no, legit, like, what's your favorite pie? And one time a guy had heard that I do this. And so he picked a pie called shoe fly pie, which is only made by the Amish. And I had it commissioned because he didn't think I could get it. I had a pie commissioned and it was on his desk on his first day. I'm very, I'm obsessed with pie. I can tell what you do for a living potentially by what kind of pies you like. What? A lot of stuff really? I can no, wait, I don't think. Yeah. Um, can we talk about that a little bit more? What? Yeah. Wait, I have, I have another question though too, but I want to know like if the pie that isn't covered isn't a pie, then what is it? That's what I asked. They're like, it's, it's dessert. It's a calzone. I'm like, what? It's a calzone. <laughs> so, I'm going to chat this to you all. It's And I encourage our listeners slash now watchers to Google, to type in cuberule.com, C-U-B-E-R-U-L-E. It okay. all started oh. about like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, yeah. That's a, and, that's a tough one. Yeah. And so this is like, you hit on the same like little button in my brain when you were talking about that. I was like, I think pies are a calzone. So quickly, how I tell people's jobs is because I've asked so many people what their favorite pie is. And I've just, according to Trisha's personal data. Yeah, I want to hear And also, if you find me on LinkedIn, I'm at the very top. I say, CAPTCHA, my human CAPTCHA is if we do not know each other, I need to know that you at least looked at my profile and that we're going to have a meaningful conversation. So please mention your favorite pie or who you like were referenced or whatever. So 
based on my data of yeah. people that I've talked to and asked for their favorite <laughs> pies, a lot of CEOs, and so that's why I'm saying a, a lot. I'm not a psychic. I'm not like going to whatever. So a lot of CEOs like apple pie with something. Ice cream, salt, cheese, something. But it's like apple pie oh, and it's warm. Yes. Look it up on the internet, y'all. Okay. A lot of salespeople like key lime pie. A lot of engineers like strawberry rhubarb pie. This is so wild. You're like <laughs> wow. blowing my brain right now. And I found a lot of like customer focused folks like things that have fruit in them. So now you all know that Boston cream pie isn't even a pie. That truly is not a pie. So but see, I know I this because I went and pie I had controversy. it. We were worried about the lawn chair community and we got to be worried about the pie community. <laughs> Big pie. I am an equal opportunity. And I tell this to a lot of people because like I've given talks in Europe and I'm like, meat pies count for me. Meat pies. Okay. Yeah, if yeah. you're in the Midwest, I'm like pizza pie, like people oh, that use pie for deep pizza. Dish, that was, deep dish. Yeah. Pizza, I just want people to, I want to say, what's your favorite pie? I want you to take that. And what does pie mean to you? <laughs> and tell me what your favorite pie. And then there are people like, I don't like pie. And I'm like, I don't know if we can be friends. Like you're a sociopath, basically. <laughs> like you can't even be like, I like pie, like 3.14. Like, like people every time something, <laughs> but I, but everybody has a memory. I feel like with pie or those freaking, those like, yes, hand, like handheld the, pies. Yeah. Yeah. Hand, little hand pie. Either mm. from McDonald's or whatever that one that used to be at the grocery store, yes. like Entenmann's or whatever. Yes. Like everybody has a pie memory. And if you do not, I know that you're an alien, like yeah. from outer space. <laughs> so wait, so what's your favorite pie? Well, she told us. Coconut cream oh, pie. That's right, is you did, like, you did. Yeah, yeah, I already yeah. forgot. There was so much that happened between the time you told us to now. I literally, my brain, I was going. I like literally we took did. notes on the back end. For <laughs> we we talked about know your favorite pie. almost my entire life. So <laughs> that's not true. Oh, we no. I feel places. like we, there's some I've, unexplored areas, but so no, there are for sure. What are, sure. What's your favorite pie, Rachel? I don't think I know this. Yeah. I will say I eat pie, but I'm not like a, oh my God, pie kind of person. But there is a pie that's out here in a town called Julian, which tries to be New England in Southern California because it has little apple orchards and stuff. And so they make a pie and it is a, it's a cherry apple crumble pie, which is Ooh. delicious. So it's like all crumbled on top and the cherry makes a little, cause I find apple pie too sweet. So mm. the cherry makes it a little bit tart. And then, yeah, I like me some vanilla ice cream up on that as well. That's a nice. Yeah. This is the piece too, is sometimes people do that. Like, I don't know what my favorite pie is. And like, tell me like a pie, like something just around yeah. pie, because on LinkedIn, what happens is people will be like, I don't know if I really love pie, but my grandmother in South Carolina, and they just will tell me <laughs> yeah. a story and that humanizes them outside of work. Nice. And I, I now just have the story about their grandmother and eating pies on a porch in South Carolina. Like mm. that is just, I like the story piece that comes from pie. I but, love that. Yeah. That's so Alicia, sweet. What's your, yes. Alicia, what's your favorite um, pie? I think I have like two. So with the story lens hat on, I really like pumpkin pie, but it's gotta be like the kind that my mom makes, which my husband, we had a big fight about this last year, actually, because I said I would make pumpkin pie. And the way she makes it is she buys the graham cracker crust from the store in like the pre-made shell. 
And then she makes it with condensed yes. milk. Yes. So for years. Oh, her, that's what like, I do. Yeah. So like, like her line, which is so funny is she'd be like, there's no sugar in this. And I'm like, yeah, but there's freaking condensed, condensed milk, milk, which is like Please. basically liquid sugar, but it's got to have the graham cracker crust that's pre-made from the store. And we had a fight about this in my household last year. Cause my husband was like, it's not good. You need to make like real crust. And I was like, no, like, trust me, it's good. And anyway, I was right in the end, but, but no, that's so interesting. I know you have another pie, but I have yeah. to say, I'm, I feel like an idiot because I also forgot the pumpkin pie is like legitimately like, I don't know why. Is it because I live in Southern California now that I forgot about Thanksgiving and pumpkin pie? It's a, it could <laughs> it's be a seasonal. It is a favorite. It, I would yeah. literally eat it right now. Like now I want a piece it's of pumpkin so pie, but yeah. I will say I don't do it with graham cracker crust. I do it with regular mm. frozen crust, but the well, same that, thing. That's acceptable too, but like yeah. my like memory. And a lot of whipped cream. A yeah, lot of whipped that cream. Is, yeah, whipped that cream. That is acceptable. Like, so much. Totally acceptable. <laughs> yes. That's like a standard. But then Thank the you. other one that I really like is I really like lemon stuff. So like a lemon custard Ooh. lemon meringue whatever kind of pie yeah. is my other go-to so yeah oh my gosh, yeah i love this I'm like hungry now i know i'm definitely gonna eat i know this. Yeah, yeah this is amazing so i'm so excited this is going to be up on youtube <laughs> oh my God. i knew i should have left the filters on you I had, look like, perfect you no i was playing around with it because i was like let me see like how much i can push the limit do you want to do it right now yeah. do you want yeah, to do actually i do okay, hang you on have, um, you have two minutes you up, have like the best eyebrows too she so does. i don't know what you're talking oh, well, about thank you but just wait she does what happens when so I i'll tell you i got my eyebrows redone a billion Ooh. years ago like i do electrolysis so you only need to do it once but I'll tell you the reason why is because I, I started in tech and I start I never needed glasses until I worked on a computer all the time. I put on mm. glasses and then all of a sudden I felt like I looked like Groucho Marx. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and then I freaked out and I got that done. So that's my that's my shame story. Wait, they're on now, right? <gasps> Ooh. That's what I'm saying, right? Like it looks pretty natural. Yeah, it does. It well, does look natural, but I also really like your eyebrows. Yeah, like, I think. I, oh, I love when you did that. And then the right? eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That was a good time. Yeah. Oh, the internet. Yeah. This was great, Trish. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for talking to me about so many things over the course of two hours. Your listeners. <laughs> and viewers now. And viewers. viewers Thank you for coming on this journey with us. This was really fun. I mean, this was, I feel like one of the most fun podcasts I appreciate. Like, I feel like I just start sweating when people, when it's just all on me, <laughs> but y'all shared some of your stories well, as well. And I, I like the conversation piece of it. A lot. Oh, well, you're well, just, I have you. a feeling this isn't going to be the last time we see you all. I'm like, <laughs> we probably have more to talk about, but yeah. I will say it's sort of like, thank you for the compliment that you just gave us. But I will say for myself, I won't speak for Rachel. It's also because I love to talk about myself. So I'm happy to always... <laughs> And I also yeah. love talking about Felicia. away from me. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy away. to, we can have a whole segment if you want called the dish with Trish. Cause I've always wanted to do that. Something like that. And I'll like, come on and I'll like have, pa- I don't have papers. I have like books. So I'm like, Oh, today we're going to talk about, look at all these, look how much I, I'm wow. so into this. <laughs> look at those notes. Okay. I know right. this one actually is range. So why generalists triumph in a specialized world? So I'll plug Ooh. that. And then okay. this is See, um, so David. We talk about. Yeah, David really Delmar has a What We Build With Power. Yes. Book, so it's on my of, Kindle. Um, I haven't started yet, but I'm excited. Code. This is how dedicated. I have, I pre-ordered the book because support, but then I also got the audiobook because I'm not always great with 
reading books. So I will listen to the audiobook and then tag things, important things in here. Love, so. love, 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 Trish. Okay. Yeah. We're definitely okay. this this is amazing. <laughs> the dish with Trish. You heard it here first. The dish with Trish. <laughs> it, maybe it's just a YouTube series. Yeah. Subscribe. Yeah. Pay, pay She Geeks Out. Subscribe. Patreon. Subscribe wherever. <laughs> I right. love when they do that. It's like you're professionals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get it all done in post. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Right. Never. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. We literally with where you as we mentioned, we're like, should we just have Trish on for like she might be like superstar guest, all star. Trish, I'm here for it. I really am. Yep. She's a delight. And we just have, as always, a few notes yeah, before so you run away. Just some upcoming stuff. So we're not doing a webinar this August if you are listening to this before August. So just take a little summer break and then sign up for our next webinar, which is coming up in September. And the topic will be integrating embodiment and somatics into your DEI work, which will be presented by Fatima Denke, one of our fabulous folks on the team. We have a Get a Job You Love Summit in September as well. And then in October, our webinar style will be a little bit different. It's going to be an Ask SGO Live, more of a conversation style with myself and one or two of the other folks on the facilitation team. So check those out. Yes. And just quick note, this is actually coming out August 2nd. So <laughs> we good. It's okay. Great. We still have time. We're you bracing time. her upward. We don't know what's it. happening. Uh, I'm truly in a time machine. I don't know what's happening. I know. It's very <laughs> exciting. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. And please don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe. It does make a really huge difference in the reach of this podcast and by extension, this work. So make sure to tune in for our next episode in just two little weeks. And if you're looking to further your own knowledge and gain support alongside other incredible people, join our free community. We're going to get a welcoming built-in support system grounded in the values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You'll have access to bonus episodes, additional resources, courses, webinars, coaching, and so much more. So check that out at risetogether.shegeeksout.com. All right. Bye.